Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Ah, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill, and I'd like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Uh, each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assist recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Uh, today I'd like to welcome Nathan to the 3CR studio. Hi Nathan. Hi, how you going Bill? Good. Um, Nathan's um, a drug addict, uh, recovering with the help of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, so Nathan, we usually start talking about uh, growing up and the influence of family, um, school and things like that on you. So what was your early family life like? Uh, it was pretty normal. Uh, I'd have to say quite happy growing up. Uh, it's I had a happy family home. Uh, growing up, I had everything I sort of wanted. Um my father was an alcoholic. Um, he made up for his alcoholism with material goods. Um, but I was happy, you know? Yeah. Um, so if your dad was a drinker, um, how did that affect the family and how did it affect your mum? Uh, so mum took on the role of sort of two parents, um, like as like the emotional role of two parents um dad was there he had his own business but uh he was there every night um but he sort of he sort of recluse to the shed and um sort of had his drinks up in the shed and um but he he was there sort of he, he was still there um but it sort of it it had its it did impact me a little you know yeah so, uh, did you have any siblings, brothers or sisters? Um, I'm the oldest, and I have a brother two years and two months younger, and a sister five and a half years younger. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, did you get on with them? I, I've got a, I got along with them very well until my addiction got out of control in the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what about school and friendships? Did you enjoy school? Um, I liked going to school. Um, you know, uh, being an addict, I, um, I didn't know this, um, until I've, I've learnt about it in, in Narcotics Anonymous, but, um, being an addict, I, um, I took on, um, school, um, with a great ability. Um, I, I liked going to school. I got good grades. I, I, I loved going there, you know, um, I liked going to socialise and misbehave. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what about friendships there? Did you have any close friends? I did. I, I sort of, I fit in with every group of sort of people. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm talking about high school here because I can't really remember primary school. Um but, but in high school, I, I fit in with, with, with every group of people, like uh, the, the, the sporto kids. I loved playing basketball. And then 
I fit in with the kids getting good grades and then I, I'd fit in with the kids that had detention at lunchtime and and then I fit in with the kids that wanted to smoke cigarettes on the Oval at lunchtime too. So I, I was sort of torn into what group to go to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, would you let anybody get really close to you? Not really. Um, it was sort of... I thought it was cl- a closeness, but looking back, no, it wasn't. Um, it, it, it really wasn't. It was. It was always, you know. I started. I started my my drinking at an early age in year seven at the age of eleven. Um, and if if people weren't interested in doing what I was I was wanting to do, then then they weren't getting they weren't getting my time sort of um so really it was built up on substance use really my friendships so how did you start drinking it's a bit of a funny story actually it was um it was at the parent teacher interviews in year seven the first week of year seven um they had wine out for the wine out for the parents um and I was younger and less developed and, um, you know, I was sort of, I was about 18, about 12 to 18 months younger than everyone else in my year level, smaller, less developed. And, you know, I wanted to sort of show up and show off and, and, you know, they had wine out on the table for the parents and, um, you know, I, I sort of got a hold of that wine and, and, and run amok that night and, um, yeah, it was it was a bad it was a bad night. Um, more, I, we lived close by to that to that school, and um, my mother and I we walked there because we couldn't get a car park. It was it was busy that night, lots of um, cars parked by, and um, we walked there. And I, I ended up um, getting so drunk, I I wet myself, and um, it was an I blacked out, you know, blacked out from the first drink, you know, um, but I loved it. And um, I couldn't wait to do it again. And I knew I could do it again because my dad would have a supply at home that I could do it again quite quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great fun. Yeah. <laughs> so how did it make you feel? Alive inside, you know. I I could feel the warmth um, wash over me. Um, that might have been the wee, but, um, it, you know, I, I felt, you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Um you know, I could uh, do anything. I was a. I felt like I was in year ten and I was in year seven. You know, um, ready to take on the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what did your mum say? <sighs> That's a strange thing. She, um, she, my mum had spent years enabling. She, she was an enabler. Um, whether she knew it or not, I've I've later learnt learnt about this stuff, um, which is why I say it. Um, uh, she enabled my behaviour. Um, she sort of brushed it under the rug like it was sort of nothing, but um, she'd spent years sort of doing that with my father. So I remember one time later on, probably in about year nine, she caught my my mate and me with a, two wine casks. We were on our way to underage nightclubbing and um, she caught us with two wine casks, more than enough for two two young kids. And um, 
she took one of them but left us with one and then dropped us off at the, at the underage nightclub and she she took one of the wine casks away and later later felt bad about that and gave us the money back for it you know yeah. um so that's enabling yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's uh yeah it, it's really sad that you know things that can be i guess dealt with are just pushed aside and you know calm down everybody calms down and it's not an issue and uh life goes on yeah whereas if some you know taking a stand against it has a real impact yeah yeah, I think she was just afraid, you know, her oldest child just dabbling, dabbling with it and um, sort of harmless. I mean, I wasn't getting into trouble. I wasn't, little did she know, the beast, the beast was about to unleash, you know. It was the start of it all, you know. Yeah. And it was a slippery slope from there. Yeah. Um, so what did your friends think? I don't know what, I don't know what they... Um, I think as long as I was around um, and my behaviour was far worse, it, it was, it, it was ab- I was able to allow them to do, to do whatever they sort of um, wanted to do too, you know. I, I was always the, the blackout, you know, person that would be passed out in the corner with vomit all over myself and often urinated all over, all over myself and very often um and as long as i was around um it made them look good um so you know i was i was always invited places <laughs> yeah uh yeah that's uh, it's sort of crazy in a way but i guess that's that's human nature isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so obviously it it affected your relationships with people but yep. did it affect your school no, I sort of kept going right through. I um, finished uh, year 10 um, where, like I said, I, I played basketball. I even went over over to America to play basketball at the end of year 10. Um, and like it, it, it sort of affected that where I, I, rather than going to play the basketball, I I got drunk and, and, and smoked weed over in America and, and missed a couple of those games. And, um, and, you know, then I come back and did year 11 and 12 at, at school, but again, most of the time getting drunk and, and smoking weed. Um, but still the grades were reasonable. Um, back then there was TER scores. Um, I think I got 54, which was just, just passable. Um, yeah. And then I went on to do a business course, but um, by that stage, the I, I just turned eighteen after year twelve. So by that stage, when I turned eighteen, it was um, on for young and old. You know, um, it's bad news then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so if your school was going reasonable, how often were you, were you drinking? <sighs> three days a week like during school hours um and smoking weed probably four out of five um but by this stage the drugs had sort of come into play and and um sort of someone introduced me to acid and and i loved that stuff um because it take me out of my mind um i liked hallucinating and um it's sort of the 
party drugs, ecstasy, and that sort of started coming into play when I could go nightclubbing and um, slowly but surely it, it started getting worse, you know. The alcohol started dropping off a bit more. Um, alcohol was always a consistent there because I could easily readily get it um, through my father and, and other older mates that looked older. I still looked about 12 even though I was 15 or, or, or 16 or Whatever age I looked, I still, like, I'm, I'm 39 now. I could probably pass for 30. Um, <laughs> I st- I've always looked younger. Um, but, yeah, I, c- I could always get the alcohol. But um, So I drank that, um, but the drugs were coming into play more and more. So, you know, I was just blacking out constantly. I didn't know where I'd wake up. I'd, I'd often, um, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd, I'd wet myself very often, Um so, you know, I'd have to pinch clothes off the back of people's clotheslines and, and whatnot on the way home because um, I didn't want to come home with wet pants again. Um, I was running out of stories um, that I could tell my mum. And, yeah, it was getting bad. Yeah. So do you want to take us through the transition from alcohol to drugs? Um, so I, 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 I injured my ankle. Um, I've... I got drunk and surprise, surprise. Um, I tried to do Spider-Man down a drain pipe off a wall um, that was three stories up and I tried to climb down a drain pipe and it broke off the wall and three stories up I hit the ground with no shoes on and shattered my heel bone and, and I wound up in hospital where I could there was only two surgeons in Australia that could fix this ankle and um, I was on crutches for a couple of years and the oxy, oxy tablets and the endone tablets um, and basically I, I was on pain meds and, you know, I, I couldn't drink. Uh, the, the, the drinking would make me, I could, ha- I could handle about one drink and, and I was vomiting everywhere. And the pain meds was what I could have because of, of the injury and the pain meds being sort of like a, the oxys being like a legal type of heroin mm. um, was sort of what I, what I was getting. So it sort of transitioned through that. Yeah. The, the injury. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um it's not a normal way of, of going from alcohol to drugs. Most people go through smoking weed and stuff like that. So you'd already done a bit of that. Yeah, well I'd already done that and I was already taking acid and ecstasy and then when the injury happened I was stuck in hospital and I couldn't get anything. So mm. I was in hospital for quite a while. The swelling was so bad in the ankle, I was stuck in hospital for two months nearly waiting on the operation to get done. Um so I was stuck in there on pain meds. So yeah. I just transitioned to that. And then I, I liked the effect of the the legal heroin type stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so what happened when they finished? When the meds? Yeah. Well, I, I sort of doctor shopped for a while and uh, made out that the ankle was worse than what it was. Um, it, it was sort of interesting. I... I I had to, um, I made it back home um, and I was living in a three-story townhouse and and I was on crutches and I couldn't get up and down the 
the townhouse uh, up to the top story, which was where my bedroom was. And um, I had another mate who'd been hit by a truck um, and he was out injured as well. And um, But he only had an injured hand, you know. Um, so we helped each other um, substance abuse. We were both at home injured and um, he'd help me and I'd help him. Um, he smoked... Um, he smoked bongs, you know, and um, he couldn't use his hands. So I helped him do that and he helped me get up and down the stairs and um, we just helped each other um, substance abuse for the next sort of year, you know. Um, it was bad news. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> yes, it sounds um, it sounds pretty, pretty unusual situation. So you said while you were taking the um, Oxy and Endo and you couldn't drink, what... what was that a drug effect? I think because I was on so much oxys and endones, I was on like 20 a day um, because the pain was so, so bad. Yeah. Um, like it was, a, it, was a, it was a horrific injury. Like um, the swelling was that horrific. Like the pain was, um, like I said, there was only two surgeons in Australia that were willing to attempt to fix this angle. It yeah. was hanging out like it was, it was awful. Yeah. And so uh, is it okay now? In winter, it still gives me a fair bit of grief, but I, under no circumstances, do I touch my pain medication. <laughs> right. That's good. Uh, well, listen, we might take a short break there. Hey, you mob. It's up to all of us to keep checking in when we're out. Checking in is the quick and easy way to stop the spread of coronavirus and keep protecting our elders, communities and each other. Before you leave home... Download the Service Victoria app and keep checking in because checking in keeps us safe and open. Stay deadly, stay safe. A 3CR supporter. Yeah, join me at 11 every Friday for some black and deadly sound. Please shout. Community radio 855 on the AM dial. Voice of the people's appeal. Black and deadly Friday. Robbie Fort Radic Radio. Yeah, join me at 11 every Friday for some black and deadly sound. Please shout. Community radio 855 on the AM dial. Voice of the people's appeal. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to one of the Living Free podcasts, uh, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. Uh, you can also contact us via 3CR on 03 9419 8377. Email us 3crlivingfree at gmail.com or we're on Twitter as well as 3CR Living Free. You know, June's coming up and June is 3CR Radiothon month. We got through 2020 and survived, and we'd like your help to keep us on air for another year. As COVID-19 is now resurgent in Melbourne, um, it brings back memories of our efforts last year and how relevant they are today. Presenters did the hard yards last year, pre-recording their shows at home so that 3CR staff could continue to broadcast the shows to you each week. It took a lot of effort, but we made it through. This year, help us raise funds so the Living Free Show can continue for another year to keep 3CR broadcasting our show for another year and to allow our message of hope to continue. So support 3CR's 2021 Radiothon by donating and listen to our Radiothon show on Thursday the 17th of June. <laughs> 
3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June, and this year, we're asking you to be part of community-powered radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled, and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. Uh, Today I'm talking with Nathan, and we're talking about recovery from drug addiction with the help of Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, So Nathan, um, we finished with you talking about um, recovering from... um, an accident and getting, I guess, hooked on um, heroin-like uh, medication. So you said when that finished, you you started um, doctor shopping. Um, yep. So did you? When did you finish doctor shopping, and when did you start using illicit drugs? Um. So. I sort of, um, I've sort of always had that, um, feeling or, or, or need to do the wrong thing, sort of push the boundaries and, um, within reason, um, you know, I never, I never wanted to, to, uh, you know, wind up in jail or, or, or anything like that, but, um. I've always had that that need to to go to 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 go to the extreme lengths, and um, I I once I realised I couldn't get um, any more from the doctors, um, and I, I I needed more drugs. Um, I had to go out and get get it from. I, I always had mates. I always had mates that could get things, and I, but I didn't really want to. Um, sort of involve myself in it, but also I had that feeling that I I I knew I, I knew it was uh, like I knew that um the badness the sort of the feeling of the rebel in me the rebel had to get out you know um the rebel feeling of um doing the wrong thing you know I, I like that you know like the old me likes that you know um yeah. and, and why is that is it to be noticed what um, I don't know. It's, um, I'm defiant by nature, I think. Um, and like I'm an addict. Um, I've done a lot of work on this and, um, you know, I, I think, um, once I couldn't get it from the doctors and, and whatnot, I, the next thing for me to do was to get it from, get it from a mate who got it from a mate, um, and you know, I needed the I needed the stronger drugs. Um, yeah, so it made sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what about relationships at, at this time? Did you form relationships with girls? I formed many, but I wrecked many too. Um, the substance always came first. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, yeah, I, I I I can think back to one in particular, like. I went over to overseas um, with this particular person and um, 
I made a mess of it, you know. I fought with this person every night so that I could stay out on the town. Um, and she stayed, she stayed back. Um, she had to stay back in uh, over in the that country for a little bit longer than me. And um, the day that she was meant to return home to Australia, all I had to do was meet her at the at the uh, airport and instead I chose to stay and use substances and I didn't turn up to the airport essentially wrecking that relationship um you know I feel still feel bad about it or I wouldn't be bringing it up but um that's just one of many ruined relationships um I have three kids with three women and I'm not with any of those women um due to my behaviors yeah um, so it, it must be difficult having a relationship where you're using, you're using a substance and you're trying to keep that secret from your partner or were you openly using with your partners? Only one of them. And that ended in disaster. Um, yeah, uh, usually I'd keep it a secret. Um, they'd know about it but I was trying to keep it a secret. Um, I was trying to keep it a secret. Like I was in such denial that I was, I was trying to keep, keep it under wraps to myself in some deranged way. Um, you know, I was always trying to make out that it wasn't as bad as what it was, but it really was that bad. Um, so when did you realize it was, it was bad? When I wound up at my first, probably, my first, I first off went to AA, um, in 2005. Um, yeah, probably then, uh, I'd come back from living on the Gold Coast, sort of a rock style lifestyle, um, where it was all about me going out, taking lots of ecstasy and, and nightclubbing all night long. Um, and yeah, I now come home broken back to Victoria and, and, you know, my, my mum had had enough of me, like I round up living back at her house and, you know, I was blacking out on the daily and she, she said pretty much you can't live here and just come home and black out every day. Um, she thought it was, I led her to believe it was a drinking problem, which is why I went to AA. I didn't want her knowing the extent of it, um, that it was a drug problem as well. Somehow alcohol is a bit more accepted you know so i'll just let it let her think that it was just a drinking problem yeah it's much more acceptable that's for sure yeah it it's it's the same um disastrous consequences in real terms yeah 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 um so money how did you get money to to get drugs and alcohol um i'm a qualified chef uh and i've worked right through my addiction um i don't know if I found chef work because it enabled my behavior or I don't know. It it sort of is the chicken or the egg, which come first, whether I've stumbled into chef work because I was able to be substance affected while I worked or, or I, I'm not sure how it sort of come about, but, um, sort of every job I sort of did, I was affected the whole way through, you know, um, and it just sort of went, I, it depends, people sort of said, hey, where did you work? And it, and it depended in, on how bad I was at that point in time, whether if I was really bad, um, I'd be working in pubs where I could, you know, be really not well. 
So how do people tolerate you being not well? Well, I'm I'm an addict and I'm, I'm I was a really good addict. I was really good at taking drugs. Um otherwise we wouldn't be here. Um and I was really good at my job. Um really good at it. Um you know, I could pump out 250 meals on on a night. Um so I think because I was good at it and, and I would work 18 hours a day, you know, like they, they thought, look at this guy, he's willing to do 18 hours a day. It was because I was trying to make up for my past behaviours and my future behaviours that I was about to do, you know. Um, yeah. Also, I've worked a lot on this. I was a people pleaser. I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Um, people pleasing. Yeah, I was, I was, I was bound to upset someone very soon if I hadn't already. So I was trying to make up for it um, by doing the big hours. Yeah, and they loved that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think addicts and alcoholics are very good at convincing people things. Yes, you know, that things are going to change or things are going to um, it's going to be different. But yeah, they don't always carry through. Yeah. No, well, it's funny you say that because. At the time, and, and I tried to, my my partner, we had a talk about this the other day, um, so many times I I generally believed that I, at the time I said, oh, just one more time, I generally believed it was going to be just one more time when I said that. Um, you know, it, I meant that at the time. Um, looking back on it, <laughs> you know, I... I how could it be one more time? I hadn't changed anything, but when I said it, I meant it, you know, I just, I wasn't changing anything. So how could it be one more time? It was going to be heaps more times, but yeah, yeah. I meant it at the time when I said it. Yeah. It was uh, sincere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, what about getting into rehab and things like that? So did that happen very often? I've been to a few rehabs. Um, I've been to a few detoxes. Uh, it seems I, I seem to think that if I went to a 30 day rehab, um, everything would be okay after that. But it, for me, for me, I can, I can only speak for myself. Um, 30 days just wasn't enough for a lifetime of, well, not a lifetime, but 25 years of drug use. Um, you know, um, especially as my drug use, you know, it got worse and like IV drug use came into effect. Um, once I picked up that, there was no going back. Um, once I, once I started that, I couldn't go back to doing it any other way. Um, and 30 days of rehab, you know, the last 30 day rehab I turned up to, um, which was about the sixth or the seventh one, Thank God there was a, a work a counselor there that said to me, "Look, thirty days is not enough for you. Um, you need to go on to f further rehab." Um, he made me believe um, that I was the one making the decision to go on to the further rehab, or I wouldn't have gone. Um, so he was good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> if if he was making the decision, I certainly wouldn't have went. It had to be my decision. Him and my partner got on in cahoots on the phone behind the scenes. And, um, if it was up, if it was up to them, I wouldn't have gone. So it had to be my decision.
but um, I went on to do 10 months um, somewhere else and it was single-handedly the best thing I ever did um, mm. where I could work on my behaviours, you know, 25 years of active addiction and, um, yeah, it's the best thing I ever did. Mm. Can I just take you back? So how did you get into rehab that last time? That last time I was the – I'd gotten into ice. Um, I I have ADHD and um, I got diagnosed with ADHD and um, got given Ritalin, um, which is – you know, medication for ADHD, which I was abusing. I was um, breaking it up and injecting it. And, um, you know, um, I thought, well, um, you know, and then I got on the ice and, um, you know, I did this because I wanted to sleep. I'd had enough of myself. Um, I know that sounds backwards. Most people would get on the ice for stimulation. Um, For me, it made me sleep. You know, I'd had enough of myself. Um, and I got on the ice, but um, it, 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 what it brought along with was a lot of people that were not great, you know. It brought some people into my life that that stole from me, stole everything from my house. Um, I, I allowed it to happen because I wanted the drugs. Um, it brought people into my life that robbed from me, stole my car, stole, stole all my possessions, it effectively made me homeless um, and all the, it, it drove people out of my life. I ended up with two AVOs on me, one from my sister, one from my one that from my middle child um, and his mother um, and pretty much drove people out of my life, everyone out of my life. My partner went to Al-Anon. She'd had enough of me. It drove everyone away from me and I had no, nothing left to do but to um to go to rehab I'd had enough of me um I was couch surfing um I was homeless I was left with nothing but my dogs I have two dogs that it was just me and my dogs and um I had to put my dogs in a kennel for 12 months poor dogs out in the cold and um I had to go off to rehab um well yeah yeah okay also we might take another break there Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope 
only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community-powered radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital, live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And today I'm talking with Nathan, and we're talking about recovery from drug addiction with the help of Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, so Nathan, one thing we haven't talked about is Narcotics Anonymous. So how did you, when did you first go um, hear about it and uh, go to NA, and what's, how's your life changed since then? I first went to NA when I was at my first rehab. Um, so that was 2000. Oh, I'm not sure actually. Um, <laughs> but I was in this rehab and I identified as an alcoholic and an addict, um, which I found strange that I was the only person that identified as both. Um, and I got the choice, which one do I want to go to, AA or NA? And being that I was from Bendigo um, and I was in a rehab in Melbourne, um, Bendigo has a very only one NA meeting. Um, I thought I'm going to use this chance to go to NA while I'm in Melbourne. Um, and I I started going to the meetings on the bus um, and I, I got exposed to it there and, and – yeah, just it had a different feel to it than the, the than the AA meetings. Um, so what what was different? Uh, just the just the sort of uh, they they read from it the just for today. Um, they started off the meetings with that. Um, it sort of had a topic um, rather than yeah. It was just sort of different. I can't d- describe it. Like I. I now still go to AA meetings. Um, just sort of one out of every ten meetings I attend is is still an AA meeting. I, I can't forget where I come from, but I tend to go to NA. Um, it's just it's just different. I can't describe it. Um, but yeah, I just sort of I I know today that if if I was to relapse, which I don't think about drugs and alcohol, um, but if I was to relapse, it would be on the drugs. So I, that's why I go to NA. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how long did you last? last. At NA? Well, ha- sorry. How long were you clean at NA? Um, I've I was clean two and a half years once before, and then I relapsed and wound up in a coma. Um, I had a concoction of drugs and, um, yeah, wound up in a coma on life support for 17 days. Um, I had renal failure, which is liver and kidney shut down. My, I was on, um, 
my lungs shut down. Um, I was told if I wake up, I'd be in a vegetative state. Um, yeah, somehow some miraculous higher power sort of thing saved me. Um, I woke, actually woke up an hour after my father passed away, 200 Ks down the road. Um, yeah, it's, it was very unfortunate that he passed away, but it was sort of, yeah, some sort of higher power thing, sort of a life for a life. He being an alcoholic, sort of, I don't know how that sort of stuff works, but, you know, I, I believe in that stuff nowadays after that happening. Um, I shouldn't be here, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I and then six weeks later, my... Uh, my my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. Um, six weeks later, I have have a son born. You know, um, my third child. So I'm meant to be here. Yeah, yeah. But then, sadly, I went on a three year relapse after that. So, so, do you understand the trigger that caused the relapse? Um, I think it was the pressure of her being pregnant. Um, yeah. I, Actually, no, it was me not practicing the NA program properly. Um, if I be honest about it, um, I was only going to meetings. I didn't, uh, and then the meeting attendance dropped off. I wasn't, um, practicing the program in any other way, shape or form. If I look at it now, um, compared to what I do nowadays, it was only a small fraction of the program. It yeah. just wasn't enough. Yeah. So how did you come back in? Um, I wound up broken. <laughs> like I, I hadn't, I hadn't been broken enough. I don't think like I know that seemed, it, I hadn't, yeah, I needed more research is the terminology. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I needed I needed more pain. Like I, I know that seems like a cliche sort of thing. Is, is that a self worth issue? Um, now you need to suffer, or I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. I just, um, I just, I, you know, like I think, like I was doing it all my way. Like it, it had to be. Like this is. I'm stealing this from something else, but I'm going to say it anyway, because everything's stolen from something else in a way. So, you know, I was doing uh, Nathan's Anonymous. Um, I was, you know, I was um, Nathan's God and um, I was sponsor. Nathan was sponsoring Nathan. Um, And I wasn't doing the program properly. Mm. I was, you know, I wasn't, if you look at the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, um, the first 11 steps say we, um, start off by saying we, um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's people, not an individual. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. um, and I was doing it by myself. Um, and that's what brought me unstuck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, right into a coma being a progressive disease, illness, whatever you may call it, um, which I believe it is, um, my next step is is death. So, yeah, yeah. insanity or death, yeah. Um, so coming back, was it difficult to come back to NA? Uh, being that I had no place to live, no people to turn to, um, no money, like... 
and you know, I had to resort, I was now resorting to stealing things and I was getting caught. Um, you know, I was getting, it's get things are getting bad, you know. Um, the, I was, things are mounting up for me, like, uh, I was getting bashed, you know. Um, I don't know how much worse it could get, you know. I, my partner sent me, like, I was a year clean yesterday, and my partner sent me some photos of, um, of what it used to be like for me, and they were horrible, like, um, like infections from my IV use, like my arm was just, you know, my ankle, like my infections, like I didn't, like I didn't even care. I'd just keep doing it. And the, the definition of insanity, repeating the same things and expecting a different result. Well, my definition of insanity was, it was knowing the results and not caring and doing it anyway. And, and mm. that's what I did. I didn't care. I just did it anyway. Like, Mm. It was madness, and and I didn't care. Yeah. So, did you reach out for help, or did somebody help you? I I reached out in the end, um, because I've got to do it for me. Otherwise, it's not going to work. If I don't do it for me, single handedly, it's got to be for me. Like if I'm not doing it for me, it's not going to work. F- f- like yeah. others get the. Um, the bonuses of me fixing me. Um, it rubs off on my partner, my kids, my everyone that's around me, but it, I've got to do it for me. Yeah. So I, I, I reached out for me. Yeah. Um, so who did you reach out to? Um, I, first off I had to do something. I had to get my dogs to a kennel, you know, so I don't like to be honest, I was that cooked. I don't even know how it all come about. I can't, being that I was in a coma, I, I can't remember certain parts of it. And and I don't know, my, my partner t- seems to think it's a bit of trauma-related stuff that I can't remember sort of the last three years of that sort of active addiction. I've blocked parts out, whether it was because I, got, I was getting bashed and and it was so horrific and, and this and that. Um I can only vaguely remember bits and pieces where I was homeless in the city and and this and that. Um, I can't really remember how it all went. I sort of reached out to um, like community centres and stuff like this and sort of then my dogs got looked after by a certain lady and this and that and I don't really know how it happened. I, mm. I don't know. I, I remember I had... I had private health insurance. I thought if I hook up to this private health insurance, I, I use the last of my money to do that, hook up for one month to this private health insurance, then I can get in this certain rehab, you know, for that was normally worth 17 grand. I can get in there for 1700 Um And I did that. I did something right for once. Yeah. Um, I used the last of my money to get in there. Actually, my mate who was, who you, you consider him, a bit of a drug dealer. He used his drug dealing money to put me into a rehab. Um, right. You know, he's he's been a long time mate. Um, and rather than spending money to buy drugs, he spent money investing on me to go to rehab. Wow. Yeah. That's a good story. Um, he's not at rock bottom, so he's never going to stop. I don't expect him to. No. Um, mm. But I was certainly at rock bottom. I was further than rock bottom. Yeah. So how's NA changed your life? 
Oh, wow. Um, NA has... I'm that grateful. I don't even know where to start. Um, They say connection's the opposite of addiction. Like, I now have in my phone 50, 50 or 70 phone numbers of people that don't even drink, that don't, you know, that don't even drink alcohol. Like, numbers of people that I can ring that you know, we'll, we'll drop anything and come, come and chat, just have a coffee, you know, like proper connections, you know, um, I'm, you know, I've, I don't even know where to start. Um, I now have, I'm back, I've got a house, you know, that's a three bedroom house, you know, with my partner, like I was homeless a year ago. Um, uh, I'm I'm about to get another job. Like I'm, I'm taking that slow. You know, I've always rushed back into work, and 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 things are going badly for me. So I'm listening to what they say at the NA meetings and just taking that slow. But um, what else? I'm I'm nearly at the end. Of, like I'm getting towards the end of my corrections order. Um, what else? I'm, I don't know. You say something. I, it's I don't know what else to say. Like it's it's that good. I um. I go to these meetings sort of five to seven times a week and um, I see people that are generally happy to see me, you know. Like, all I ever heard was, don't come back here, like, you're not welcome. And, and it's the reverse at NA, you know. It's, you come back, you're welcome here, you know. Um, thank God the 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 doorway, of the rooms, the doorway never got narrower for me, you know, because I've turned up at those meetings in all sorts of states, you know, like... I didn't get it for 10 years I'd been trying to go to NA and um, I've turned up in some sorts of messes, you know, like drug affected, alcohol affected, um, high as a kite, drunk, you know, falling over, you know, um, standing up there like they had offer um, tea and coffee and biscuits. I've munched down all their biscuits, spilt coffee all over the place and just been nothing but a distraction and, and they say come back you know welcome come back next week you know yeah. no one's ever said come back they've said never come back you know yeah. um you know i can't, can't be more grateful yeah that sounds good um if anybody would like to find out more about narcotics anonymous um or if you need to talk to somebody or get some more information uh you can call them on one three hundred six five two eight two zero 652 at any time or you can go online at navic dot net dot au uh well that's about all we've got time for today so i'd like to thank nathan for coming into the 3cr studio and sharing his drug addiction recovery experience with us thank you thank you bill uh i hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be back on pre-recorded unfortunately uh but we will be talking about the family disease of alcoholism and hopefully we'll be joined by jacinta from Alanon family groups thanks for listening uh stay safe and stay tuned now for more radical radio on 3cr Did you enjoy listening to this podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are part of that community. Right now, it's our Radiothon, and we need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donation really matters. Help support community-powered podcasts for another year.